if you know exactly who the guest is going to be and then they deliver information that you expected, that's not a surprising or a good episode. But if you book people who can look at it sideways or even the guest you might expect, but they have an unexpected answer, all of those things were things that we were looking for. And welcome to Emerging Form. I'm Rosemary Watola Tromer. Hey, Rosemary. I'm Christy Oshwanden, and this is a podcast about creative process. And today we have a special guest, Flora Lickman. We're going to be talking about podcasting. But before we get to that, I'd love to hear, Christy, just a little check in. What's going on with you? And tell us a little about your creative process right now. Sure, sure. Well, it's no accident that we're having a podcaster on this week because I have been listening to a lot of podcasts recently because I am working on a new podcast. It's a short run podcast. I can't say too much about it yet. But as part of, you know, part of my creative process here is I'm kind of trying to figure out the right format for this. Um, And so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, some that are somewhat similar to the one that I'm making and some that are very far afield, just kind of trying to shake some ideas loose. You know, I find for any kind of creative thing that I'm doing, I find, you know, like if I'm working on a magazine article and I'm feeling really stuck, I'll just grab that particular magazine and read a few issues and kind of see like, okay, what are Mm -hmm. the things that are there? But also, you know, looking at it by paying attention to how the sausage was made and really like seeing how was this put together and like, oh, look, they did Mm -hmm. this and that. And so I've been doing a lot of podcasts listening along those lines. And one of the ones that I've come back to, which was already a favorite of mine, but I went back and listened to a bunch of the back catalog of this great podcast called Every Little Thing. It's a Spotify podcast that really is just very curiosity driven. Basically, uh, listeners call in with questions and problems in the show goes out and tries to solve them. And it's just a really fun show. I, I love it on so many different levels. And it's it's very different than what I'm doing. And it's not something that I'll probably end up stealing a lot of, you know, techniques from. But it did sort of open my eyes to like different ways I might go about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's true that it doesn't have to be something that's super similar to yeah. what we're doing, kind of like what we were talking about last week with David Epstein about how you know, sometimes having very different streams can help you think about what you're doing in this stream. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a very well-known author, Rebecca Sklute, who wrote this fantastic science book about Henrietta Lacks, whose uh, cancer cells became this famous cell line. And it was a, a sort of a story idea or a topic that could have been very, very difficult to execute. And I think she really struggled with it. But I heard an interview with her where she said she finally had her breakthrough by watching movies and like films that had absolutely nothing to do with her story, but they sort of helped her see these like, you know, certain act, you know, telling stories with maybe three acts. And I I can't remember now exactly what the the techniques were that she was seeing, but, you know, she was getting this from, from, you know, a completely different genre of art. But I think sometimes Mm -hmm. when you're stuck, just going through the world with an open mind and, and observing and looking at things, you can really find breakthroughs in unexpected places. Yeah. Yeah. And even mistakes, you know, things, things that are accidents. Uh, I'm thinking of how two weeks ago Mm -hmm. I was looking for cover art Uh for my new album. Uh Yes. (laughs) Dark Praise. I'm so excited. You need to, you need to tell us about it, what it is. It's 14 poems that I performed in a program in December Mm -hmm. with a guitar player. And that performance was live in Denver. 
And then we got together the next morning and did a recording, and he has turned this into the most gorgeous, <laughs> beautiful recording of these poems that are all honoring darkness mm-hmm. in different ways. Mm-hmm. How how darkness can bring us resilience, and it's a time for dreams, it's a time for sensuality, it's a time for play, it's a time for revelation. So all these different ways to think about the dark. Well, obviously for the cover then, it needed to be dark. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> but not too dark. So I thought, what? But not too dark. Yeah. So I thought, okay, um, you know, black and white photographer maybe. Yeah. So I Googled black and white photographer Colorado. <laughs> And I came up with lots of black and white photographers. And then I came up with this woman who does the most insanely beautiful, surreal Mm -hmm. photography collage. Mm -hmm. Not at all black and white photography. Not at all what I was looking for. Absolutely what I wanted. Uh, We're going to have Marissa S. White on as a a guest, probably in May. And I am ecstatic about this (laughs) cover. But I especially love that I found it by accident because her name is White. Oh, that's funny. I'm sure that's why the the Google search brought her up. Uh-huh. So there it was, how a mistake became so helpful in, in the creative process. And there it is, you know, why we why it can be helpful to go down a rabbit hole for a while, even even an unintentional rabbit hole. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, um, as I was going about like looking, doing searches for similar podcasts, I actually came across another short run podcast series on exactly the same topic as my show. And I thought I had a moment of panic, like, oh, no. And then I listened to it and it was terrible, like truly terrible. And it was, but it, this this was extremely helpful. And I, f- I feel terrible saying this and I would never name it, but, but it was, it was just sort of an example of what I was trying not to do, which oh, sort of yeah. helped guide me because it's like, oh, wait, this is how it can go wrong. And it's not even, mm-hmm. I, when I say that it's terrible, what I mean is that it, it's not what I am intending to do. So it was like something completely different. It was basically someone asking scientists questions and them sort of giving long, boring answers. And I realized, you know, this is not an inherently animated topic. So it's going to be really Mm -hmm. important to me that I get really good stories and really good characters. And I think, you know, sort of seeing someone executed in the way that's not my vision was like in some ways more helpful than if I had found like the perfect version of what I was trying to do. Absolutely. You know, that's not this, not this. Right. Netty, netty. Yeah. One of the paths to enlightenment. That's right. Well, let's bring on Flora Lickman. Uh, Flora is a host and managing editor at Spotify. Most recently, she created and hosted a listener call-in podcast, Every Little Thing. The show ran for five years and had more than 200 episodes. Previously, she wrote for the Netflix show, Bill Nye Saves the World, and co-directed the Emmy-nominated video series, Animated Life, on the New York Times OpDocs channel. They lost to Oprah. Before that, she hosted the Adapters podcast about climate change, worked as a video editor and substitute host at PRI's Science Friday, and co-wrote a book on the science of annoyingness. And long, long ago, she worked for a NATO oceanographic lab in Italy. And for the lab's research expedition, she lived on a ship where aperitivi were served on the top deck, hoisted there via pulley by the ship's Mm. chef. Let's bring on Flora. Flora, welcome to Emerging Form. Thank you for having me. We're really glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's my pleasure. 
Oh, we're really excited to have you. And Flora, I thought it would be nice to maybe start off with just a little overview. Like we did read your bio and everything, but but just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are now. You know, how does one become a podcaster and video producer? What, what was your trajectory? Well, I think my course was set by my first job and mm-hmm. that I got a little bit accidentally. So <laughs> when I graduated from college, I worked in Italy. Um, that's where I had the upper TV. And um, that sounds fun. <laughs> it was it was delightful. But of course, I was 22. And I was like, I have to start my life. Yeah. But anyway, I was so I'm living in this little town in Italy. It's it was on the Italian Riviera, which is very, very beautiful. It's also kind of like a retirement town in Italy. And I see you are the youngest person by like four decades. Exactly. Yes. And, (laughs) and so Friday nights, I was generally alone. And I remember the one amenity I had in my, um, in my apartment was the satellite radio. So I'd go home after work and I'd like make myself dinner by myself. This sounds like sad, but you know, remember I'm in Italy. It was actually great. Um, it sounds like heaven, honestly. (laughs) I know. I know now in my life, I'm like, God, wow. Alone time sounds excellent. (laughs) Anyway. So I'm, I would listen to the radio on Friday nights and the show that came on, um, in English was Science Friday because it was this wow. international um, radio. And I, I had done journalism in college. I was like on the magazine and I, I thought mm-hmm. maybe that was what I wanted to do. But I had never heard Science Friday until then. And I really fell in love with the show. I just thought it was mm-hmm. great. I loved it. I loved hearing directly from the experts. I thought that was great for the audience. I loved the host. I, Ira Flato, he did such a great job being mm-hmm. sort of the everyman for people. And he made science fun. And I had, I was an environmental studies major in college and thought maybe I would be this like serious environmental reporter, Uh but actually this is the thing that, you know, really Mm. grabbed me. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote him from Italy and I was like, I love your show. Please let me work (laughs) for you. And he was like, who are you? (laughs) But he let me be an intern. So I moved to New York and I was an intern and I was an intern for way, 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 way too long. (laughs) And he still didn't give me a job and I would like had to make money. So I quit and, Mm -hmm. but I kept in touch and I kept listening. And every time he would do a call out on the show, like, what do you think we should be doing on our website? Which was, (laughs) I think a rhetorical question. I would literally (laughs) respond. And eventually I think over time I wore him down and he hired me and that was my first gig. And I was the youngest person on staff and YouTube had just launched. And, Uh and so that was my job to make videos. Oh, that's great. Okay. Can we talk about this for a second? I mean, that is so fun, first of all. <laughs> uh, you know, just everything about it from the beginning. You know, I was listening in, on satellite radio in Italy. Um, <laughs> Sounds but, very romantic, yeah. But, and Christy knows that I love this. I, lo- I am such a fan of people who are just devoted to something, who are like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and who just put their everything into it, which it sounds like you did. Like, I, I mean, you call it wearing him down, but there's also got to be something about he understood how completely passionate you were, right? Oh, girl, you made it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I mean, yeah, Yeah. he definitely knew that I loved the show. You know, I Uh, there was nothing made up about that. But I feel like the other thing is for me, like I had one idea. It's not like I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. this." I was like, I'm going to, I just had the one idea. And I was like, I I don't have any other ideas. So like, I have to make this one work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Well, that kind of gets me to, 
Very sad to hear that every little thing has been canceled. Can we just take a moment of silence to to mourn here? R.I.P. Yes. yes, Thank you. (laughs) I love that show so much. And one of the things I loved about it is you, of course, but just it really feels like the show is just an exercise in curiosity. Like, I'm really curious about this thing. Let's go figure it out. I just I love that about it. And I wonder if you can just talk a little bit about the genesis of the show and, and how you made it. Yeah, so it it came um, into fruition through iteration, really. So mm-hmm. Gimlet had this had an existing show called Surprisingly Awesome, and the hosts left to do other things. And they were like, "Oh, we should make a show in this genre. We have this feed. It seems like people want this kind of content, kind of like you know, light knowledge." <laughs> I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got hooked up with them. I think through a referral, I'm not even sure, but I thought the, you know, the premise appealed to me. Um, it's the kind of stuff I had been doing at science Friday for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we started the show and it sounded a lot. It didn't sound like it does now. It, it sounded Mm -hmm. a lot like a kind of traditional kind of essayistic reported podcast, which is sort Mm -hmm. of what Gimlet was making at the time. And also what a lot of other people were making, and I remember just feeling like such an imposter, like it really wasn't my thing. I, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a character in the show. And we just kept trying and trying and trying things. And I, I really loved listener involvement. That was one thing that was mm-hmm. sort of central to Science Friday. It was a call-in show. So, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my Science Friday uh, experience <laughs> offline here. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I hope you called in. I hope it, that was the story, but it, <laughs> oh no, no, it was it was worse than that. I was I was the guest, in. and someone else called in. <gasps> I got called in. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, I want to hear. Anyway, okay. so Science Friday had a big listener component, and I loved that. I just thought it added so much life to the show. I liked how the listeners, you know, the people who the show was made for, were involved in making it. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so we started thinking, oh, can we do a mailbag or something where people call or leave us questions. And, and through that, we just experimented. And I think mm-hmm. our first show that we did was at the end of like season one of every little thing. It was maybe our 11th or 10th or 11th episode where we answered a listener question mm-hmm. and it just felt right. Like it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. It just felt easier to make. It felt fresher to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we, we, we kind of hit on that and we did as a team, it was really like a team effort through Mm -hmm. trial and error. Then we were like, okay, how do we refine this and how do we make this better? That's great. That's great. Rosemary, that reminds me of our previous guest um, was Dave Epstein. And he talked about he has a little book of of tiny experiments. And it sounds like it's kind of in that vein, like, let's try something and see how it goes. Yeah, that's like, that's the only way that I know how to make stuff is by trying and learning. Like I really, Uh I'm like in awe of people who can kind of formulate the whole thing in their head and then just do it. Uh But that's definitely not me. Well, and also on on the heels of David Epstein, who who had this kind of call for novelty, you know, the the how essential yeah. it is to be doing something new. Um, it occurs to me that that's really at the heart of what you were doing too. Is this, like you said, it, the freshness of it, right? That all of a sudden you're interested, and now it's new, and you're interested. You know, not just for a listener, but for you as the creator, you just continually are bombarded with this new idea, this new idea, let's figure this out. Let's figure this out. So it's a, it is, it's a really exciting okay, premise. Rosemary, I just, 
I just need to jump in and say, I'm just cringing when you're saying fresh, because this is like the worst thing. Whenever an editor is like, you need to make it fresh. It's like, oh, come on. That's like a trigger word for, oh, poor <laughs> for journalists. I, I totally agree with you, but I think the word you're looking for and the concept is actually openness and sort of an openness to new things rather than like fresh makes it sound like, okay, this is the newest thing that's never been seen mm-hmm. before. Openness. Openness is a theme for yeah. us, by the way, Flora, this year. It really is. It's a recurring theme, isn't it? (laughs) I like that. Will you explain it more? So I think the concept is that one of the key aspects of creativity is an openness to experience it, an openness to sort of seeing things. And I like to think of creativity also being about paying attention, but but part of that paying attention is being open to the world. And Rosemary, you probably have something to add here, too. Well, and I think in in terms of beyond creative aspect, which, of course, that's what we're here for, but in the way that all of our creative mm-hmm. endeavors speak to the larger, what is it to be alive? Yeah. Um, I feel as if openness is also speaking to a willingness to engage in a huge spectrum um, you know, so whatever yeah. the dualities are that we've chosen, good, bad, up, down, right, left, right, wrong, um, you know, that to try and really explore all the way along that spectrum, both sides and in the middle, too. Yeah. It's interesting because I think that's kind of the ethos of every little thing was this idea of openness mm-hmm. and listeners being open to looking at the world around them and asking mm-hmm. the next question, like asking a follow-up and then calling us yeah. and being open to that experience as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. If you're a paid subscriber, you'll get a special bonus episode next week where Flora talks about... Taking yourself for a morning commute, even if you work at home. The importance of knowing what you don't want and why creative work likes it when we're earnest, but not serious. And if you're not a paid subscriber yet, now is your chance. Go to emergingform.substack.com to become a paid subscriber, and you'll get access to all of our bonus episodes. And you'll also get the warm feeling of knowing you are helping us make this podcast sustainable. Thank you. Will you um, maybe talk to us just a little bit about what did you think made a good ELT episode? What components went into it? And maybe you even have a favorite episode that you'd like to deconstruct for us. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I definitely don't have a favorite because <laughs> I, I, in, when I was in the middle of them, I loved of them course. all or hated them, you know, it's like all your things. Mm-hmm. You just, your babies, they all, they all had their ups and downs, yeah. but I do think, you know, one episode that comes to mind as an episode that has a lot of the components that we strived for in every episode was this, the show we did about, a listener called in and asked, why do strangers approach me? Mm, and yeah, she had, you know, it sounds kind of funny. Like she, she was like, I feel like I have resting nice face or something <laughs> like uh, people just like come up to me and they want to talk, you know, Uh which didn't sound like a big problem. But then she described it and she was like, you know, I'll go to the mall with friends and like get waylaid in the cafeteria part, you know, the food court for (laughs) for an hour with a stranger who like wants to tell me their life story. She's like, it's actually difficult. She's very empathetic. That sounds horrible. 
<laughs> I know it's, it does. Okay, so I just have to say took, I need to listen to it because I have often said I must have the words "I care" in giant, like <laughs> you know, sharpie across my forehead because this this is I can't wait to hear this episode. <laughs> you share her affliction. Yeah, yeah it can take a yeah. long time yeah. to to do anything because of this, like you say. Yes, this is yeah. exactly what she was saying. Yes, totally. So she. She asked us, what do I do? Like, why does this happen? What do I do about it? And um, the producer on the show, Phoebe Flanagan, took this on and and she booked really surprising guests. And I think that's one key element um, Mm -hmm. of a good show. Like, if you know exactly who the guest is going to be and then they deliver information that you expected, that's not a surprising or a good episode. But if Mm. you book people who can look at it sideways or even the guest you might expect, but they have an unexpected answer. Mm-hmm. All of those things were things that we were looking for. So in this show, Phoebe booked a Pixar character designer hmm. who could analyze our listener's face and tell us what makes an approachable face, because of course they want mm-hmm. their characters to be approachable. And then she booked a, like a celebrity, like an executive coach who mm-hmm. had trains people in communication and asked him to give her repulsive communication techniques, like how she could talk to people (laughs) so that they would go away, which, and he had just hysterical answers. And then the cherry on top was this guest who, um, studies a, um, a, it's the horny toad that has a very, very extreme way of getting rid of, um, unwanted, uh, company <laughs> and I'll let you listen to the episode, but it, and so Fantastic. we, so the, those, that's one key thing is surprising information and mm-hmm. animated experts. The other thing is the listener herself was a great talker and just mm-hmm. like fun to listen to. It's the kind of person who you get on the phone with and you just want to keep hearing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that was, that's obviously a huge part of the show. Um, and then I think feeling like there's an arc to the story. So it's not just like mm-hmm. a grab bag of information, but you start in one place and you end in another place. That that mm-hmm. also felt sort of important for a good episode. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I do feel like the, the show's topics often were a little bit random. Like it's not like, well, clearly the next episode will be about this other thing. And so I love, though, that that there is this arc to each episode and there it's not just some random walk through the grocery store, right? <laughs> That was the hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think we got better at that over time. You know, I think we understood Mm -hmm. better what kind of questions would give us that feeling that you're going to end somewhere new or end somewhere really surprising. And as we learned better how to make the show over the 200 episodes that we did, you know, we just, the bar got higher and higher for what questions we would take. You know, it reminds me of the advice, you know, in, in poetry, they always say, write what you know, which... I think is just the worst advice ever. Um, like that's called reporting. But if you're going to, you know, if you write what you don't know, this will be endlessly interesting and surprising and, and you can continually push yourself mm. to this new edge, which as you, as I hear you talking about, how do we find people who say things that we couldn't possibly predict what they were going to say? That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Like it probably, probably for you, very exciting. Yeah. Abs- I mean, we knew we were on the right track when we were in an editorial meeting and the producer came back and told us something and everyone was like, what? (laughs) You're kidding. You know, and had 10 follow-up questions. That's when you know Uh that the story is rolling in the right direction. Yeah. 
Isn't that yeah. sweet? And I suppose there's something about surprise and openness too, then that there's a, um, mm-hmm. those two things are having a conversation, I guess. Vivian would laugh at me. My daughter mm. says, mom, you always think everything's having a conversation. <laughs> she's not she's wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> she's not she's wrong. Not <laughs> Flora, I wanted to ask about your show was really collaborative with listeners. That was such an important component. It sounds like you sort of picked up some of this at Science Friday. But I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how that that shaped sort of your creative process on this? I mean, you were just talking about how you would sort of look for different different guests or different questions and select them. But I wonder to what extent was that sort of bringing in another creative muse into the room? Like, how, how did that work for you? Yeah, it was really central to keeping mm-hmm. us all engaged. I think, first of all, it, it gave the whole team a feeling like we were on a mission to help our listener. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was really motivating. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. sort of like, oh, what's my curiosity? I felt like before we hit on the listener format, Mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to justify why we were doing a story. You know, (laughs) Uh if it was, if there wasn't a news peg, it was like, why Uh are we talking about this now? But when you had someone who called up and really wanted to know and had some skin in the game, especially, Mm -hmm. then we knew why we were investigating it. And it, I think the you know, in the best cases, we really went to the ends, like the ends of the earth to find that person, the very best expert mm-hmm. to answer their question. And that, I think that was, yeah, that was very motivating. And, and one of the things that I think everyone who worked on the show really liked that we felt like there was an mm-hmm. element of service, um, even though it was lighthearted, you know? Yeah. Well, and beyond service, like, I guess maybe it's the same thing. This idea of, I heard you say, not these words, but you know, so what? Like, what's at stake? Why should we care? And to find so to find that piece, you know, d- drives it all. You know that, of course, for you as as the person who's has to do it, you know, every week after week after week. But you know, for somebody who's listening, just to be, why should I care? Why should so many things competing for our yeah. interest? And yes, that and that was that helps us structure the show because we yeah. we understood that you have to build stakes, you know, a reason. And so Mm -hmm. for people to listen. And so if we could have the caller at the very top, sort of give us a compelling reason that they wanted to know, for instance, we did this show where a guy had this tune in his head that he couldn't get out of his head. And Mm -hmm. the tune was linked to this very important relationship in his life. And it was driving him crazy. And you really Mm -hmm. felt viscerally how much he needed to know what this song was. Mm -hmm. And that was such a beautiful episode. The The listeners, we had him hum it and then actually asked our <laughs> listeners to help us figure out what song it was. And they did. Oh, that's and cool. they figured it out. And then that's awesome. the songwriter came on and performed it for him, which was really oh. like, it still makes me, um, I don't know. It just gives me it's a warm, fuzzy oh. feeling that all everybody participated in that way. Yeah, I got all yeah. goosebumpy just now hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. So you've done a lot of um, wonderful short video documentaries. And could you talk to us just a little bit about putting videos together and what are some of the steps of your process there? And I'm also pretty curious at this point how similar that might be to what you were doing with with the podcasts. Yeah, it's um, it's different. It really is. Mm-hmm. It is a different process in the sense that And this was something that I felt like I really had to learn, even though I had come Mm -hmm. from a radio show and I understood it to some extent when I was making my own show, I really understood that with audio, you have to explain everything. Yeah. 
you do not leave things. You have to just, it's, it's more didactic. You have to say it out loud yeah, <laughs> or it may not land. And mm-hmm. I, what I loved about working in video and what I love about visual mediums is that you can, you don't have to say it with words. You can use pictures and images mm-hmm. and to, to make the point that you're trying to make. And I think you could, it's easier. I found it easier to have a lighter touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can be more subtle. (laughs) Yeah, you can be more subtle. That's how I felt. And maybe that, you know, maybe that's just my skill level in audio. But I, I think it, for me, it was easier to be more subtle. And I really like media that is, leaves a little bit for the listener to fill in. So, Mm -hmm. or the audience member to fill in. So that was one thing. I mean, I think the other thing that the main, obviously the main difference with video is thinking when thinking about a video story is like, is it visual? Is the story visual? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to see it? Um, mm-hmm. Does seeing it help you understand it? And mm-hmm. I think that can even be seeing the emotion on someone's face, you know, mm-hmm. but you can do that in audio too. You can hear emotion through people's voice. Um, but then the other option if you is to, I've worked on videos that are animated. And so we took subjects that weren't that visual and we tried to make them visually interesting through like mm-hmm. bizarre animation. Well, I guess that <laughs> yeah. was kind of my question is if the answer is, does seeing it help you understand it? And the answer is no. Does that mean that you don't make a video <laughs> or does that mean you just de- need to be even more creative about how you go about it? Yeah. You know, I might say you don't make the video mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unless you have a really, really compelling like m- method for presenting the information but mm-hmm. I'm not sure everything is meant to be a TV show or a movie or a video. I, I think some things work better in print and some things work better yeah. in audio. And, you know, there were print, there were stories that we thought would be interesting for ELT, but they're just, they would be better to read mm-hmm. than to hear. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about video too. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to like one of the meta themes of this show, which is that each creative project has its form and you sort of have to let it emerge and sort of respect it and and understand. And this is something that's come up a lot in other episodes where people said, you know, I started writing a poem and then I realized it was a song or or it was a painting or it was some other form. And, and sometimes just finding the correctly matched form for something can really be that creative breakthrough that someone's looking for. Yes, I, I absolutely believe that. And yeah, I'm now I want to go listen to those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I think, going to be our last question. And it's about one of our other favorite themes, which is collaboration. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the benefits and challenges of working with a team? I know a lot of your work has been collaborative. And maybe just talk a little bit about what makes a good collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I... I can only, I think I can only work collaboratively. I really love (laughs) working with other people. I Mm -hmm. get a lot of energy from that. And um, it's been some of the most meaningful parts of all of the work that I've done. It's just the relationships Mm -hmm. and the collaborations over, over time. And I, I'm happy to say that a lot of the people I've collaborated with, like I still collaborate with um, the senior, mm-hmm. the supervising producer on ELT was actually the senior producer at Science Friday, who was my inter, you know, my manager when I was there. <laughs> so um, yeah, That's things great. like that are really special to me. And mm-hmm. you know, good collaborations. I don't know. There's some, there's some magic that happens. I mm-hmm. and I think it's hard to put your finger on what makes something good. I mean, I I know that 
when people have different perspectives, it's good yeah. that that yields <laughs> better mm-hmm. results um, than sure. when everyone sees this thing the same way. When people have different skills, I think mm-hmm. that yields good results. And I think, you know, we thought a lot about on, on ELT, we really all did everything. And we mm-hmm. were, we tried to make that, you know, kind of a practice of the work that like none of us were, were like beyond any task. Mm-hmm. And I, and the, the nice part about that is that when you looked at the end of the show, like really everyone touched every, every part of it and uh-huh. they felt That's like great. authored by the whole team. Mm-hmm. And that was really rewarding. It belongs to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope that's how the team felt. I know that I felt that way. Oh, that's great. Well, to close, I have an observation. (laughs) It's interesting that you started with only being able to imagine one thing. I must work on Science Friday. (laughs) That was it. It had to be that. That was the only thing. But what I hear is this evolution of openness in in your career and how you've you know expanded mm. into video and and working. I I must work with more people who have different ideas. And it just it's <laughs> interesting to me to hear how it started and and have a little picture now of where you are. Yeah, it, it's fun for me to get to reflect. I appreciate you letting me do that. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, do you want to give us? one or two sentences about your next projects or what's happening next? I, I don't, I actually, I'm just coming off parental leave. Oh, so oh, congratulations. Thank you. So um, I don't know yet, but stay tuned. And the possibilities are open. This, yes, I'm open. I'm very open right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, there we'll are a few things that are quite so creative as, as raising a child. So <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I'm learning already. Thank you so much for being here today, Flora. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Tromer, and my co host is science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our fabulous audio producer is Leah Shaw. Our music is created and performed by Kira Kopostansky and edited by Leah Shaw. Kate LaRue designed our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and the name of this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Emerging Form. Did you know that for just a few bucks a month, you can become a paid subscriber and get bonus episodes every other week? Go to emergingform.substack.com to sign up. And if you really want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. So, Flora, you wanted to know about my Science Friday experience. Yes, please. (laughs) When my book came out, I was invited on the show, which was fantastic. It was so great. My book is about exercise recovery. And one of the things that I say in the book, there's all this research on stretching for athletes and like people stretch because they think it's going to reduce their chance of injury or reduce muscle soreness. And like there's basically absolutely no evidence for any of that. And so and this this is probably the number one thing that people have pushed back against. People (laughs) love stretching. People stretch loved. I, I actually once dated a guy who stretched so much before running, I had to break up with him because I'm like, I just can't handle this. Like, I just want to go run, man. <laughs> 
True story. An overstretcher. Anyway, so I'm on the show. As you know, Flora, it's a call-in show. So who calls in but like a Cirque du Soleil performer? <laughs> and he's like, I stretch. It's so important. And you're just wrong. And finally, I'm just like, okay, you've got me. Like, if you were trying to increase your flexibility for your job in Cirque du Soleil, Good on you. Like you, I have found on live on Science Friday, the one person who actually does need to stretch. You, you got it. I don't know. It sounds like good radio to me. Oh, I'm sure it was for everyone else but me. I love it. I love it. 